0: right Welcome to the Sweet Science of Fighting podcast today. Dean, oh my gosh, I, I had it in my head and now I just completely, I literally just said it. Uh, <laughs> I'm messing I'm it. There we go. There we go. It's not even that big of a tongue twister. Sorry about that. But, well, great. it's great to have you on. Obviously, from the UFCPI in Shanghai. Do you want to maybe give a brief background about yourself and we'll dive into some of the details?
1: Uh, yeah so um yeah my name is Dean singer I'm the uh, technical director at the USC performance institute uh, in in Shanghai um I uh, had a career in uh, mixed martial arts myself um fought internationally was on the os fighter and so on uh, but then um you know even when I was even when I was uh, fighting I was coaching and sort of uh, had more of a, more of an aptitude for coaching and moved that direction quite early actually um at like th- 30 I I stopped I think thirty. I stopped fighting. Yeah, and then um, and then I moved m- more into coaching. And I was with Team Roughhouse with uh, like Dan Hardy and Paul Daly, Ross Pearson, and, and those guys. Um, and um, but then alongside um, alongside what I was doing in um, MMA, I was also, also working in uh, as a strength and conditioning coach because, uh, as you know, in MMA in the early, early stages, it wasn't necessarily. Uh, <laughs> Lucrative of uh, <laughs> industries to work in. Uh, so um, that, that was, and, but it also sort of uh, prepped me for this job, really, in terms of my uh, view of bringing non technical and technical training nice. together and sort of uh, a more, um, uh, I don't want to use the word holistic, but I guess more integrated yeah. uh, approach to uh, MMA preparation. Um, and I, I would definitely say that a lot of my uh, philosophies about my approach to uh, both coaching and um, Programming and the integration of non-technical and technical training has come from my experience in rugby. Um, oh, nice. there are a lot of – although, it's, although it's, a, it's a team sport, um, I feel like there are a lot of things that you can take from it, and particularly some of the mentors that I've had uh, in, in in rugby. It's been very helpful to my um, philosophy that I now have an approach to.
0: Um, mixed martial awesome. Arts. Who are some of your mentors in rugby? Uh,
1: so Ollie Richardson will be yeah. the, definitely the first one and um i did my internship on underneath him and nice. we've worked together multiple times actually um at the reds uh, in, oh, okay. uh at yeah. in japan um and then um uh, dean benton mm-hmm. who also w- w- I worked with England rugby yeah. um and and then um franz ludica who i worked with in um japan who, who with the bulls coach, he's a, he's a technical coach he um, was a head coach there in Kabozabee in that also worked with the Bulls and won the, you know, won the super twice yeah. with the Bulls. And he, like, he really influenced my um, approach to having a, just like the way I session planned, the way I individualized my programming for, in, in terms of technical coaching. Um, I had never even thought of that before I worked with him, really. It was because, you know, my my experience of technical technical coaching for martial arts was just from, you know, the traditional martial arts that I've that I've worked yeah. in. Um, and I and I'd never really thought about um, understanding the needs of of a particular style, understanding the needs of the sport, and trying to meet those uh, technical needs and and uh, physiological needs as well, and then individualizing your um, coaching depending on wh- what those um, particular needs are as, as styles. And when I, as I mentioned, I can I feel like there's uh, similarities to uh, rugby and and um, uh, MMA uh, in, in in union, uh, there's, there's very many different there's different positions and the demands of those positions are changed in terms of their technical need, but also the physio- physiological needs. Like the difference of a winger and a prop couldn't really be much more uh, much more different. So the approach that you would do in terms of their SSC programming would be considerably different. But then also the the requirements for you know the difference between scrummaging and and the ball handling skills that you need. For, for, it's completely different so he but he had a a system of each each position in rugby what do they need to be able to do what does he want out of that position and he made sure that that rug that person that played that position knew what was expected of him in that position um and even when i, I played rugby as well um and I, I i'd never had that from a coach really i just we just kind of played the position and, you did yeah. it, and it was never really never really broken down to me in that way of like as a flanker this is what i'm expecting from you as a center this is the skills that you need to, to play the system that we're playing so then that made me look at um mixed martial arts and uh, the, and i've broken down mma into like 11 technical skill categories and then those 11 technical skill categories i use as a uh, in terms of um, a skill, skill assessment like understanding what what those different skill categories are and then when you look at it look at it, where their strength their weaknesses are across those 11 technical skill categories so there are, there's a foundation across those, um, 11. 11- uh, There's those technical skill categories that all athletes need to have a foundation of because if you don't, then you're going to have you know deficits when you fight a particular style. But then you're going to have strengths and weaknesses within that, and that's what forms your style. Whether you're more of a striker, whether you're more of a grappler. But in the modern day, you have to have that complete skill set across those uh, technical skill categories. But that came from working with Franz and his and the way he broke down those different positions.
0: And I was like, oh, we, we should probably do that in MMA as well. Yeah, nice. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- this will be a good topic to go down too. Do you want to maybe give a couple of examples of some of those eleven categories, and may maybe maybe some examples of, as you mentioned, if someone's heavier on one side of those categories of skill sets, how the strength condition kind of changes between, I guess, different styles.
1: Yeah. So the the styles, um, oh, or for, for started, the, so the eleven uh, technical skill categories they're, they're in the uh, journal, uh, the, the second. Um, PI mm-hmm. Journal that we, we uh, there's a topic about it there in terms of uh, I think athlete assessment is one of the earlier uh, chapters, but it's like striking offense, striking defense, wrestling offense, wrestling defense, then f- fence wrestling offense and defense. So you start breaking it down in, in in that way, all the areas that you see, and you you ultimately um, you know you could put fence wrestling as part of. Um, just as part of wrestling. But the way I sort of see it is that there's striking wrestling and grappling, which come from the foundation martial arts. So um, you, you could you could just do wrestling, boxing or kickboxing and jiu-jitsu, and you would know those areas of MMA. Um, and then there's nothing different about striking wrestling. And, well, there's not too much different between those uh, and the foundation martial arts, whereas fence wrestling is not in any other martial art. Get ups in the way that you need to do get ups for um, uh, mixed martial arts. I'm not in any other sport because the way you get up, you, the mentality behind getting up in jiu jitsu, for example, mm. is not really in there. It's in fact penalized. And then wrestling, the way you get up, you, they're happy to give you back more, which is dangerous. in... Um, MMA. So there's a good difference, although there's those aspects in there, there is it's unique to MMA. Um, and then ground and pound is obviously unique to M- MMA as well, but it's bringing in aspects of the foundation martial arts. So the reason I separated it that way is because I feel like that there is, um, techniques or technical skill categories that are unique to MMA and have been developed since the inception of the sport. And then there are the fact, the, uh, the, the technical skill categories that are predominantly from the foundation, um, martial arts. So, uh, when, when we're looking at a, um, uh, an athlete that comes in, we have some objective tests. Uh, well, as close to objective tests as we, as we can have uh, for grappling and wrestling and, and, um, and get-ups on both end of that, offensive wrestling and, wrestling and, then, and then offensive grappling and, and get-ups. So we have objective tests there. Um, the only ones we don't have, like, really objective tests is for striking and um, uh, ground and pound because they're, you know... Then you have them to get into sparring, and it's like <laughs> <laughs> that's, it's, it's, that's, you don't you don't want to be doing that as part of yeah. part of an assessment. So it's more it's more subjective in terms of their technical uh, coaches and using coaches eye, etc. Um, so when we um, when we when we do that, and we have an ongoing uh, assessment of the athletes. Like my approach to like um, uh, coaching would be that in off camp we're foc- predominantly focusing on their weaknesses, and then in fight camp predominantly focusing on their strengths. Um, so but to your to your question about and how that impacts um, uh, their strength and conditioning, I don't think the style necessarily it, it impacts it too much. Um, in in terms, of, it is more about that you know. The, I think you've had Gavin, mm. um, uh, yeah, practice, yeah, and more about the profiling that we do, both in terms of the ESD profiling and seeing where they're. Um, energy systems are and if they' any deficits across the different energy systems or on the strength power profile and seeing if there's deficit there and what their strength um, um the force velocity curve looks like and wh- whether it, in terms of their phenomen- phenomenology and whether they're you know a force dominant or speed dominant so the 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 style doesn't necessarily. The style will probably impact what that profile looks like, but it, but it, it doesn't necessarily. And so then we'll try to uh, balance it out in in, in terms of their deficits. But it, it it's not it's not like the um, just because they have a particular mm. style, we can have a, a particular approach. Do, does that make yep, sense?
0: that makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and then so in terms of what in what we have in the academy program on the technical side we have in the mornings at uh, the morning sessions we have where, where it's the full squad together. Um, we, we, uh, I, I work in normally three week cycles, moderate high, low, um, and, like, and they cycle between, um, if they're not in fight camp, off camp, um, general prep and specific prep. And there'll normally be a six week, um, uh, like we, I call it uh, intercoordination of technical streams. So there's there's coordination between those six weeks of, of when I'm programming those technical um, those technical sessions. So those morning sessions uh will across the three across a three-week cycle will hit all eleven technical skill categories within a week. I try to hit at least eight, and then that, that and that's covering the foundation of no matter what fighting style you are, you need to have that fundamental mm. which I, which I spoke to earlier afternoon sessions which are split sessions between ssc and and technical training then they go off into um they're bucketed by that skill assessment that i mentioned previously and if someone you know a, a, we a group of people need to be working on say uh takedown defense there'll be like four or five guys that will go off and do that and be, that, that's that's what they'll do and then there might be some guys that need to be working on their head movement or wh- whatever it might be uh, but we and we have we um we have a tiered system in the academy so there's tier a tier b to c and so when we're uh, bucketing and choosing um in, in terms of athlete to coach ratio and how much resources we have we don't we don't have you know an unlimited amount of coaches we can't individualize that absolutely individualise to every athlete it's not possible so we prioritize to um the tier a's and then we work backwards from there if we can accommodate the uh, accommodate the others but they're still they're still benefiting from what they're going to be yeah. working on it's just not quite necessarily as individualized as, as i would um as i would hope for but again following that model of in off camp they're um working on their predominantly i'm not saying completely predominantly working on their um, uh, weaknesses and then fight camp working on their um working on the strengths.
0: before getting back to the podcast i want to let you know there's a link down in the description for the swedes out of fighting underground community you can get all the help you need for your combat sports training you get every single swedes out of fighting training program online course and you get access to a range of coaches within the private Discord community. So go check that out and back to the podcast. That's because you mentioned this is this is the Academy squad. So they all come in together and train at the same time and you take care of kind of the technical and the S&C scheduling, do you, with that entire squad? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So with so I'm assuming then you have guys that are uh, out of the academy that are full time in the UFC. I'm assuming you don't have that same control in, in that aspect and they kind of have their own technical stuff that you have to work around.
1: Yeah. So the, the Academy guys, uh, I, yeah, I control, uh, I, I do all the programming and the periodization obviously within, with, with, uh, within the team as well. I'm not just mm. like, uh, not, <laughs>
0: Yeah, You have to do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, but we,
1: we, obviously have to, we have, for starters, we have, um, you know, daily morning, uh, daily meet morning meetings about what's going on in, in that day, but then a weekly, um, longer meeting that we talk about the programming because don't, also, one thing we have to consider: we have multiple different phases of camp operating at the same time, uh, because there's different fight dates of people coming mm. up. So you may have, you may have two people fighting in six weeks. You might have three people fighting in two weeks. You might have, and then and then predominant of the group in off camp, but they might be in different phases of camp because you know they had a fight not so long ago, and then one one group are in return to play. One group, do you know what I mean? So there's, yeah. there's, I'm I'm balancing all those different phases of camp. Um, at the same time so I, I operate the master timetable and then we just get aligned with so that making sure that um, the ntt periodization is the same as the uh, technical um, periodization that that that's obviously really important that we have that con- concurrent periodization according to what phase of um, according to what phase of camp they're in and then you know over the past few years um you know we, we've been dealing with covid right? Yeah, so, you guys have uh, massive
0: lockdowns eh? Hey? Uh, yeah we've, <laughs>
1: I don't even really want to get into it but well it's been an absolute nightmare. Um, and I did actually an, an analysis recently about some of the impact that we had because of that. And we've been shut over 30% of the time in the past four years since Ropal, Um which is pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... And, um, yeah, so, so, so now that we're open, the border is open on January 9th, which is, you know, a massive relief to us and what we're planning to do with the, with, with the PI. Um, you know, now that the, because although the academy initially was based on, um, uh, the uh, Chinese athletes are developing Chinese MMA, it's actually for the whole of Asia. Um, and so Kevin Chang is the S- SVP of the APAC region for the UFC. Like he's, you know, he's trying to develop. MMA uh, in the whole of China, uh, sorry, whole of Asia. It just so happened that when we first got there, and it made sense to just focus on China. We're in China, yeah. and then we'll open up the academy to other Asian countries. And. Right now, actually, we're having the Road to UFC uh, final, which is why I'm in Vegas right now, um, which is uh, which has been, I don't know if you've been following it, but it's been a tournament across all of Asia, four eight-man um, tournaments. And we have representation from India, Indonesia, Philippines, uh, Thailand, Japan, Korea, and, and obviously China. And, and in the final, there's actually Ind- Indonesian and an Indian, which is like, fun, you know, fantastic. We thought we'd potentially, you know, maybe dominated by Japan and Korea and, um, and China, but we've got two guys in the final from India and Indonesia um and it's really to um yeah highlight the talent coming out of asia but we as a pi uh, we are supposed to be servicing all of those countries mm. and, including apex australia and new zealand having you know guys guys from city kickboxing coming over or it's supposed to be for everyone so they can use it as a resource so they don't have to go to america um but we haven't been able to do that but then the, but then the chinese because of the restrictions up until january 9th you still have to do a two-week um quarantine oh, yeah. to uh, china and a one and a, At one point, it was at one point it was the twenty one day quarantine. Oh my Um, gosh! In the past, yeah, in the past, in the past three years, I've done fifteen weeks of quarantine. Holy shit, man! From coming in, from coming in and out of China. Anyway, so so anyway, so the Chinese athletes that have either were already in the UFC or have graduated from the academy into the UFC, which Mm. is obviously the main thing we're trying to do. um, When they're in China, that if they when they're and they, they will use the pi um and often they'll just integrate into our, our, our timetable and and oh, with, with us particularly yeah particularly with um uh, you know, like for example like sumu uh is coming back from an injury and he's using you know he's doing his recovery and rehab uh with us and it's, and it's good because because we do have an interdisciplinary um team you know the the, the um PT and SSC are aligned in terms of their programming for his um, on his recovery, and then and then also the PT can work with myself, and we we can um, tailor his uh, technical training for the, with the limitations they, that might be put on him because of the uh, injury. So he can still get back to the mats as soon as possible. And because we're having you know those daily meetings about his progress and whatnot, we can, you know, stop getting him on the mat as soon as possible rather than sometimes when when you're working with a um, PT, they kind of like keep, keep you away from it until mm-hmm. they've, they've you've hit a particular yeah. milestone. Whereas we want to be yeah. back on the mat as soon as possible, but working within the limit limitations of, of a uh, particular injury. Um, and then, but but having said that, um, there is a limit because I work for the UFC and the technical coaches work for the UFC. Uh, we can't work individually with the UFC fighters. Hmm. So, okay. Um, Okay. They, can, they can come, they can come into the squad sessions and they can get involved in that. Any UFC fighter could do that. Uh, but I can't, I won't hold pads for them. I won't um, do any um, like individual sort of uh, game planning or anything like that, because then you're getting into like a bit of a sort of um, conflict of interest really yeah. Uh, to yeah. To do that. So uh, th- that's the only sort of rules around the UFC guys that work there. And And, and we're hoping now that the border is open, that we're, you know, going to have a lot of more, a lot more um, UFC guys using the facility. Like, I'm, I'm friends with the guys at Bang Tao and, and Woody, the SSC coach there. I know he wants to bring over um, some of his guys there and get some profiling done, some diagnostics done that we can then share with him that he can program off the back of that. And that's hopefully what we want to be as a resource uh, for all the, all, I mean, anywhere in the world. But it just geographically <laughs> yeah. and logistically, um, the, the fighters, any UFC fighter in the world can use the, the, the both PIs. Okay. Uh, but it just I could imagine that, um, yeah, it'll be it'll make more sense for the guys in Asia and um, the APAC region. Yeah, no,
0: that's awesome. I want to ask you as well. With I guess with your background with with the technical side, um, along with I guess the integration, does that influence your how you program your conditioning at all? Are you looking at programming more specific style of conditioning because you have that technical background, or are you looking just purely? Hey, like we need to reach you know these outputs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera? Um, yeah.
1: So in in off camp um i we we, we're looking at the esd profiling in terms of what their um what particular deficits there may be and we we, we've we've now put together like a a, um an assault bike vo2 max test um an assault bike map and mgp test and uh we're getting some decent normative data from the the UFC uh, roster of of where the standards are for for the weight classes across those those different tests. So then, once you get that, when you when you create those standards, once you do that testing, you can see you can compare and see where particular deficits might be on on that. So I feel like off camp is the perfect time for you to do that, and you want to be. St- for me, fight camp is not about you know getting really really fit and, and <laughs> like and. and you it's, that's getting the, off the couch should be. And then starting to train. No, yeah. <laughs> no, you know, we, 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 we talk about a 52 week fight camp. And it's obviously a little bit tongue in cheek, but it, it's about, you know, it's not about those huge peaks and troughs of detraining and taking huge amounts of time off camp. You, you want to be building on uh, where you've been before each each off camp. So, and like, I, I, not on just on a technical side, but on a f- physiological side, working on those deficits. So hopefully they're starting a fight camp in a good, in a good, um, point to then to then really uh peak for the fight and so I, i'd like the guys to get uh, fit from the sport during fight camp and then off camp we're leaning on more targeted um esd development and based on those um those diagnostics that i that, that, I, that I talked about and gav gav and roman and, and the guys here put together some really good uh prescriptions uh, to work on those deficits when we once they do come off nice. uh, off that testing uh, and it's, it's so far, we've, it's been you know it's constantly ongoing. That's what's so exciting about working for the uh, Performance Institute. Like we're constantly um, trying to review and, and improve, and we're getting more data from from um, the guys that we're testing as they as they come through the uh, the PI, and we're, the, the data is becoming more robust uh, because the, the more people are using it, and we're developing the test off the back of it. Like yesterday, Roman was doing a um, uh, doing a uh, sled test, but with uh, gas analysis, mm-hmm. he's doing and he's, he's doing dudes so- yeah, Roman's doing some really. I don't know if you've had Roman on. No, I um, to talk. But uh, you, de- you definitely yeah. should. He's doing some really innovative stuff uh, with, with uh, particularly on the ESD side. And so, um, yeah. So if that, that in off camp, if that's the focus, and then we get them to a to that point, um, and then when they start fight camp, I do like a, I like a, a Shark Tank type style uh, conditioning for um, which integrates. Um, like an in, uh, one person doing it with like two fresh people and then we put them in situation based on their game plan mm-hmm. and there's some pre fatiguers on well, thought like bike with the pad work and it's it's over effectively a uh, higher intensity um, uh, training than you that you would find um, in in a, compared to a fight pace uh, and then what I'm looking for in terms of markers there is they're like one minute recovery post the um, uh, uh, one minute post of the three rounds and you know we're we looking at hopefully getting them over 20% 20%, uh, recovery. And like one of the guys that just fought about to fight recently, like managed to get over 30% recovery. um, Yeah, and which was was pretty pretty impressive, particularly because it's not like a VO2 max test um, where it's more centralized fatigue. But when you're grappling and all that, that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, with wrestling and and all the peripheral fatigue, to be able to get your heart rate down like that, um, after three rounds of high intensity training is it, it's, it's pretty impressive. And although, um, and, and so because in that off camp, we can have that more targeted um, ESD development because uh, when they're training and um, you're, you're doing, you're, you know, if you're trying to just get fit from the sport, uh, because there's different styles, you may not be getting uh, the, the different hits or, the, or yeah. the different energy systems, different styles. So it, in fight camp, um if they, if if you've done that work prior to that, then hopefully they're in a point that I mean it's not going to be perfect, but it's improved there any particular deficits across it. But then in fight camp, the the, um, the there's a conditioning element obviously to that Shark Tank, but it's also the psychological uh, part that I'm looking for in terms of how do they how do they react in tough situations? How do they react when they're tired? How, what's their decision like making like when they're tired? Uh, because you don't want all sparring to be like that mm. because. Sparring, you know, sparring is also about uh, controlling the pace and the rhythm that you want to have on that. So if, you, if you're if you trying to get conditioning out of sparring, sparring, um, then you're losing some of the technical aspects or tactical aspects that you might want by having a higher-intensity yeah. shark tank of, of sparring, whereas using the, the shark tank for the, the, the conditioning, I've got the psychological aspect, the physiological aspect as well, um, and I'm, I'm ticking the boxes that I want in terms of um, uh, preparedness and preparedness markers for for competition and so that's kind of the the, the approach that we use um, at the academy in terms of yeah, integrating uh conditioning that's awesome uh,
0: I'm, uh, there might be some people listening to this that don't for example may not have the ability to maybe do sharp tanks and stuff like that maybe for whatever reason um as an amateur do you have maybe any advice or recommendations for someone okay what can they do uh for their higher intensity conditioning maybe during maybe when they're preparing for a fight um i mean the thing is about the shark town though is that it's the least
1: uh like uh, uh, i don't know there's not a lot of equipment you need yeah. for it so if you have a two training partner, uh and even if you didn't have an, an assault bike there's other there are other pre-fatigues that you could use like bodyweight exercises mm-hmm. like sprawls or uh you know burpees yeah. some sort of pre-fatigue that and then going into the uh, the technical areas um and i i i chain across the Across the six, we normally have a six-week fight camp, and across the six weeks, we change other other factors. Like on the pad work, we start with just boxing, and then it moves to uh, kickboxing, and then it moves to uh, like uh, MMA pads. Uh, on the on the rest time, we start at a minute ten, and by the end of the week, we, we end at fifty seconds. Um, in terms of the positions on the on on the um, that they're working like the the starting positions of grappling and, and um, wrestling, uh, we start with positive positions, and we get and, uh, across mm, the three rounds. Nice and there's. We start getting more negative positions, and so across the three rounds, um, there's not we normally get three to four because the, the timing of the grappling is from between. Or grappling or wrestling is between fifteen and forty-five seconds, and it's depending on what happens in that particular grappling exchange, and I'll make the call in it. So this so it, it recreates the randomness of, um, of of a fight. So it's not like oh, thirty seconds of this, gotcha. thirty seconds of that. It's it's random, random every time. Um, and but so we normally get three to four techni- um, grappling or, or, or wrestling positions in per round, and then and then I'll, it, it changes across the weeks about how many of them are positive and how many of them are negative, and they, and they progressively get nice tougher <laughs> yeah, more that sounds like it yeah um, yeah, yeah it's it's it's, it's good I've, that's that's come over a lot of time of work it started out a lot more simple and it was just like getting there and, but now i've tried to yeah again applying some sort of um sc programming philosophy to to the uh to the shark tank to make it a, a little bit more um yes for what i'm, what I'm wanting out of the yeah. athlete yeah for sure
0: i like that the you also mentioned obviously you you program over like a three-week cycle like medium high low for someone listening who's maybe planning their own training and training weeks what are you manipulating within those within those weeks to make it moderate high and low
1: okay so uh what so what we do is and this is part of um how we get different phases of uh camp operating on the mats at the same time so uh, on on certain sessions, we'll do uh, look, on, a, on a Monday Thursday. We have a, a wrestling Monday uh, morning and a, a fence wrestling on a Thursday morning. And what I like to do is uh, like ten uh, up to ten minutes of drilling on a particular uh, technique, and then we'll go into live of that t- technique. And I, I kind of I, I like to prescribe to um, my coaching is definitely impacted, sort of influenced by the constraints led approach. Yeah. And so manipulating the constraints in those live situations, um, to, to, uh, test what we've been working prior to that. And so in those live rounds, we can either have three live rounds or one live round. And they, so if everyone's on the mat, if someone's in fight camp, they're doing three live rounds. And if you were in, um, off camp, you'd only be doing, um, off general break, you'd be, or return to play, you'd only be doing one. And if you're in specific break, you'd be doing, you'd be doing two, uh, and then, and so, if you if you weren't doing the if you were in off camp, you would carry on drilling, and then you, you join in in the last last round. And you know, so, everyone on the same gotcha. map can have a different level, different <laughs> ratio of live drilling, which so ultimately is the biggest thing that impacts um, the in, in the intensity of that of that session is the live to drilling ratio. So there's that aspect and then there's total number of rounds as well uh, so there's certain sessions that don't have that structure that have more of their they're doing tactical work uh, earlier or technical work earlier and then we finish with a block of live work but then and then still that's that the number of rounds they do in that live work again impacts that ratio of live to drilling um and then on a on a deload week uh that that live amount of rounds are considerably pulled back and there's also one less session as well so there's a extra um extra half day so that that in terms of the training load of that week that then is uh, significantly reduced and sometimes depending on what phase they're in for example on their snc they don't have any esd they're just doing strength trainings. So the gotcha. duration of the session is reduced <laughs> gotcha. yeah so so and, and our, our we we measure rpes uh, srp of um of all of our sessions and our training load and, and obviously monitor the uh, the duration of the sessions so that we um, have, have the training load and like pretty closely it the um uh, periodization the coaches plan periodization across weeks and across in and and by individual sessions um, mirror the uh, what we get out of the athletes in terms of the, uh, the their data so it's, it's it's been working pretty well so far because um you know yeah it's a pretty strong correlation between um
0: like yeah live to drilling ratio and the intensity of that session gotcha nice how how different is I guess working with these athletes in Asia compared to maybe the ones that are coming through in the States. Have you, I don't know if if you've had much experience on both sides or, or kind of like the different countries, but I'm assuming because, because the PI is relatively new in Asia compared, compared to the one in Vegas. So do you have, are there any like big differences that you've noticed between the athletes in terms maybe, I don't know, maybe the ones in Asia have a more well-trained or less well-trained versus the ones that come in, Um, to the ones in the States. Do you mean, what Um, do you mean by well-trained though? Just more like, uh, I guess you could say have a better physical underpinning already coming in or that more bigger training age coming in, if yes or no. Oh, training, Yeah, Um,
1: Well, that depends on um, what system the guys have come from. And we haven't, and this will be my um, subjective opinion, Mm -hmm. we haven't actually... Uh, specifically looked at that but um you know uh, the same thing would be in america like the guys that have come out of wrestling through collegiate programs um that have had that structured training those guys are, are, are obviously more well trained and some of the guys that come from traditional martial arts that haven't had that yeah uh, pro- on, on on average are probably not and that that would be the same for the guys in china we have some guys that have come out of wrestling programs of of Either national wrestling program or um, provincial. Uh, and the same for, and sander is actually a national sport for them because it's in, in, I think it's in the Asian Games. So they have like training schools at, y- at young age for Sander and a few other guys have either come through that or they've come through wrestling. So they're, they're, they're decently well trained in that sense. Uh, what they've done in that training is it hasn't necessarily <laughs> been um, <laughs> the, the best, but they've done a lot of it. They do a lot of volume. It's like kind of like um, sort of yeah, Russian style, yeah. like old school. Yeah. Like get the reps in, get the you know sets in. Um, so yeah, they, they, but but they've um, they're very coachable in that sense. And um, they're, yeah, no, they're, they're pretty for the most part, pretty pretty well trained. Gotcha.
0: <clears throat> is there an academy system in uh, in the states like there is for the Asian PI? No, no, no okay. there's not. No, no, because the, you know the, the
1: whole we're, we're opening Mexico next, and they will be there. And, mm, we'll okay. be in Mexico, um, but. the in, in america it didn't need the academy model because you know the infrastructure of mma in um us in the us is the most developed of anywhere in the world like they they have the technical coaches they have the knowledge they have the understanding of the sport um you know there's so many great even in vegas there's you know extreme Couture, the syndicate and and all the guys that come through from the, the rest of america and um, the reason we have the academy in, in in china because it is a little bit further behind um that you know the particularly in the way that they the individual martial arts are pretty pretty good um but the, but thinking of May as a sport as a as a martial art in itself and integrating the transitions between the different um um technical skill categories i, I guess uh isn't as, as as advanced or is it as um just in terms of numbers as well like I, I did a bit of analysis of like where where the um where the sport is in terms of numbers and it's not it's, it's still not that uh, big, yeah, you can you can get that from Tapology because you can see active fighters, um, you know, in all the different weight weight classes, and it's com- comparable size to like the UK. I think it's actually smaller than the UK, for example, in in, in China. So, um, but China, M- MMA and in, in the UK has been more developed for a longer period of time, and there's you know we've had there's there's been no there's only been one coach in China that have, has had a career and then come back into coaching, whereas whereas in England. My generation are now coaching, like Dan Hardy's coaching, now yeah. Jimmy Warhead, well, I know Jimmy yeah. Warhead's fighting, but he's also coaching. We've got that, and then that that that, that brings in another generation. Whereas China is still in the stage of like the first generation of fighters gotcha. coming through, gotcha. haven't quite, gotcha. haven't, quite got, haven't quite got to that stage of of um, uh, of becoming coaches. So um, yeah, it's a little a little bit behind. It. And so we're we're only going to be going into market into markets or territories with academies that need the help
0: mm. of developing the the um, the sport in that, in that particular place. Did you know you can represent Sweet Science of Fighting while you're training? We're more than just a membership. We also have rash guards and shorts. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see that we have the Sweet Science of Fighting 2.0 shorts, and we also have the Sweet Science of Fighting short and long sleeve rash guard. There is another design coming soon, but you can get those on xmarshall.com, and you can go down in the description and you can find that, and back to the podcast. Yeah, that, that makes sense, that makes sense. I wanted to jump a little bit into the gym itself. I know people are always wanting to know exercises, even though, you know, we know that's not <laughs> that important in the grand scheme of things, but are there any exercises that you're very fond of for MMA fighters that you kind of like to keep in the rotation? Um, I mean,
1: a med ball is, um, is, you know, use, use a med ball particularly uh, for you know rotational power and some of the ballistic stuff that you can do with it uh, it's an oldie but a, a goodie and I think that um, it, it can be used it, it, when, when prescribed in the right way it can be um, used very effectively um, we also have um, the, the, the these uh, jammers that, that are part of the uh, squat rack I'm sure you're familiar with and um, getting some If in terms of what it feels like the, the to the, the athlete there's a lot of positive response for how, how they like to use it in terms of um you know it, it isn't throwing a punch but uh th- more so than maybe um the landmine punch though which is all we, we do like the landmine punch throw um you know in terms of like if you're thinking of uh, like specifics that is related to um potential transfer to uh, uh the actual sport then are, then those three are definitely things that we've been um, integrating at, different
0: times for sure. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and you mentioned obviously with the sled testing as well. I know you guys, well, I mean, I see it on Instagram a lot, a lot of, a lot of Prowler pushing with, with, um, different athletes. Do you have any, are you able to share any kind of different protocols you guys like to use on, on the Prowler? Um, off the top of my head, I don't,
1: I, I can't, I can't think, um, of, uh, what oh, is the most, I mean, it really—it really depends yeah. of what we're like. Yeah, it really depends of what. There's so many. the so it, as a modality, it can be used so many mm-hmm. uh, different ways. Like we have, we also have a um, uh, a non-technical Shark Tank uh, for guys that maybe have injuries mm, okay. that can't be doing um, uh, that can't be doing. Um, uh, like wrestling as part as part of it so the the, the prowler uh is, is is used in that but there's so many there's so many different protocols that there, there's not like one that stands out to me that, that would uh, of any significance that um you know that it's to it depend is situation dependent of what
0: we're trying to develop in terms of an attribute so yeah it's sort of hard to say I guess yeah. no no yeah. problem i'm asking some very some very general questions there i know but <laughs> the, the ones that always yeah. come through too so i I asked them just so we can we can get them through to the, to the audience as well. But but outside of that, like, how does the training week look for you guys? I mean, we can use the academy as the example because, like, are they training that full time? Full time, yeah. Full-time? Full-time, yeah. yeah have, so yeah, um, yeah. Let's have a look at yeah, that so, week.
1: Yeah, so the, they they're on two days: uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then um, uh, yeah, one a day: Wednesday, Saturday.
0: Um, I don't know if I could probably. Is this possible to share yeah, a screen? You can share it if you just go share down the bottom, and then that shows. On uh, let me get. Some. Yeah, so if anyone's listening to this on Spotify and whatnot, you should watch it. Okay, I uh, got it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so this
1: is this is this is a timetable for guys. In this was actually this um, earlier this year, I guess. Yep. Um, So uh, this is the normal sort of timetable that we look at. Um, and as I mentioned, so the Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday is full, uh, the whole academy is, uh, does it, also the sparring as well. Um, but the sparring, check, uh, we have different times. So sometimes we'll have, um, off at, the, at this period, we didn't have, there wasn't, it was in the lead up to a, a Chinese New Year, so we didn't have that many guys in the academy. But when we're at full um, capacity, like with, say, 30, um, 30 guys there, then we'll have multiple Starting times of uh, sparring, depending on what phase of camp you're in, um, and so though the, the foundation um, session or core sessions or core timetable, should I say, is Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and then the afternoon sessions, which is here, 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 and here, um, are the swing sessions, which I mentioned about, which are individualized uh, depending on what um, what you need to, need to be working gotcha. on. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah. And then, and so, and then each session, as I, as I mentioned, so that we, is this still, is this yep. still sharing? Yep. still got it. yeah. So as I mentioned on some of the sessions are, um, uh, they'll, we'll do a drill, then they'll go into some live work and then a- another drill into, in, into live work. And then the, how, whether they're in threes or two, or in pairs or um, any notes that come into, related to the constraints can be put in here. Um, then this, this here is, uh, um, modifications from sports medicine in terms of, uh, like any adjustments that might be made for, uh, injury, that they say there's particular sessions that they can't do. Um, and then we have a, um, we have, a. hold on. Well, oh, I think it's decided to freeze on me. Oh, classic. <laughs> there, we go. Uh, there we go. Here are the different options. Yeah. The different options of, um, modifications that we might have, whether it be a graduated return to play from uh, concussion and the stages that they're at there, because we have like protocols for how they come back from that, um, or ESD in lieu of the live sets, et cetera. There's other different options uh, that we can have there so that as, as technical coaches, when we're on the mats, um, and we know that there might be some limitations like, as we talked about, getting them back on the mat as soon as possible, but within the construct like limitations of a, of a um, uh, of a particular injury. And so then, that's what when we have those morning meetings, that that's what this is updated from. They'll give us an update of what they're able to gotcha. do, um, and then we'll and then we'll have uh, yeah. The, the, these are the session plans for the um, for the different um, uh, like yeah technical sessions, and it's the same for um, all of them. It's just like so just so I can monitor what we've been working on, and in the in the programming etc. So um, going back to. Uh, uh, the actual timetable though, the color of the session also, um, sort of relates to the, uh, coach's coaches planned, um, uh, RPE. It's not the actual, uh, number, but it's, it covers a, yeah. basically a low moderate green being, green, green being low, um, orange being moderate, red being high. Uh, and then, and when it, when the, um, sport, uh, sports science coordinator uh, will ask me what, what. After every session, what I what was the RPE, so that we also can compare, um, you know, the coach's plan compared to the athletes, and see if there's any anom- anomalies from that, or you know, outliers, and then and then investigate why there might be that that um, uh, sort of yeah discrepancy, should I say? Um, yeah, so that, that's basically what the timetable looks like. And then, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Wednesday and Saturday, there'd be different sparring start times, uh, dependent on what phase of camp there are. So, if they're in fight camp, maybe they'd start later and we'd use some of those guys for fresh people in those rounds. Um, or it'd be starting earlier, depending on what uh, phase of camp they are. And then, they also this would switch rounds. So, sometimes not. Generally, I can't remember off the top of my head why this was this this way, but generally, off camp we have non-technical training first and um, technical training after, and in fight camp we have technical training first and fight camp Mm, also, so we can keep keep that. That's also so we can keep the athlete coach ratio nice and low, and we split them by phases in those afternoon sessions. So sometimes we, you know, when you're working with like a group of four or something, and uh, again uh, based on those those um, sort of buckets that we that we talked about.
0: Nice. Do you ever have coaches that go rogue during those green sessions and pump the RPE? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> because uh, because as
1: you see as you see from um, the session planning, we, we plan ahead before we know we know what's going on in that session um, before before it happens. No one's turning up to a session and just and just coaching, um, which which when I was fighting that's what was happening <laughs> for sure and i didn't even i didn't like i said before i went into rugby i i entered on the rugby coaching side should i say i hadn't even thought about a session session plan and, yeah um, beforehand planning what we were going to be working or or, or or planning ahead weeks ahead of what we were going to be working on technically um so no we, we 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 have a coach we have coaches meetings as well so we get aligned and i and we i also have a a technical theme of the week. So. If there's a technical theme, so the, uh, the double leg, everything in that week from a technical perspective will be in some way connected to the double leg. And that doesn't mean that it like, absolutely has to, and it doesn't yeah. limit the freedom of the creativity of the coach but it's just in keeping that in mind even on even on striking and if you're having an awareness for double leg defense or if or if you're striking into takedowns and you're looking for combinations that would go into that or if you're in uh, BJJ what position do you normally land in from a double leg and then so there's like continuity between the sessions and connection between the sessions and we often and also for in terms of like recall um like the warm up from um a session on a Thursday will be the the session would it be a review of the session on a tuesday for example yeah so when when they when we program together they let us know what we're doing and i'll put that as part of the warm-up as one of my sessions or vice versa and so there's integration and we it's not just like oh we've done something on a monday and we don't come back to that for three weeks we're getting you know touch points on it across the week and then across the three-week cycle as well because
0: we all program together nice now it's funny you say that because i've been part of teams where the coaches uh don't have a plan they turn up on the day and professional sport but you know they do what they want and, yeah and you're like okay it's supposed to be a lower day today but a, just I mean, beasting there's, them. There's a, <laughs> yeah yeah i mean
1: on the, on the technical side it, i think it's important as well if you look at like um the research about skill acquisition and whatnot and and how th- things should be put together and, and particularly in terms of the recall recall sessions uh, later on that's that's super important but um on the periodization side, it, it just everything goes out of the window if you're suddenly like it's supposed to be a low and you're and you're making these guy guys spar. Um, you know when when um, one of the challenges I faced, and I think a lot of gyms would also face it nowadays, is uh, we have the luxury of everything is centralised. So mm. ev- all their sessions are done in one gym, and every co- coach is in the same building, and we're having daily meetings and weekly meetings about planning their training whereas when i was training i was traveling an hour to go and do my See over here i was traveling an hour mm. to go and do my wrestling here and then in one gym i do my do you know what I mean? and then those coaches might not have even known each other let alone communicate and so when i get to that coach they're like oh you know i want 100 from you make sure you're working hard <laughs> but he hasn't thought about earlier earlier in the day I've, I've already you know sparred 10 rounds um and he's thinking i'm being lazy but you know and i you know i hadn't thought about that um communication so even if you are in that situation where you're not in a centralized uh gym having someone even if it's just, if it's yourself communicate what you want in in terms of the timetable and having alignment in terms of even if it's like high low high low some sort of period uh some sort of periodization um uh, 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 with so that we're getting the most out of our training sessions and not everything's just like <laughs> yeah like medium, you know, if that ends up, everything ends up being medium, if you'd like, or moderate, sorry, um, if, if you don't have that periodization. So if that was no, one be, thing I would for sure. say, you, oh, it's an easy
0: fix for, no, for people. Yeah, I'm no, sorry. I got you. You, you <laughs> just cut out a bit there. Um, do you, do you have a language barrier that you have to deal with there? Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. It's uh that is that is one of the biggest challenges. Sorry, I'm I my, um, it's, it, I'm here in Vegas and it's like super dry, and my lips are like messed up. on <laughs> the.
0: It's
1: really bad. It's like there's, it's so dry here. It's crazy. Like I get no nosebeads for no reason because it's like super oh dry. Anyway, yeah. So the language barrier is. And I've been there for nearly um, four years now. Um, and so I've got a little bit of coaching Mandarin, um, just like the, the things that you, su- that you surprise in terms of your v- vocabulary as a coach that you use so often, yeah. you know, start and stop and how long a round is, how many reps you want them to do, uh, th- things like yeah. that I, I, am I'm, I'm, I'm capable to do and, 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 you know, mot- motivating them when it's hard or, or get up or, and things, th- things like that, which it's actually a relatively limited vocabulary that you use, uh, but anything beyond sort of commands, uh, I, I have to use a translator and I have a translator with me the whole time. Um, and th- it's challenging because uh, not only that, not only, even if he's a really good translator, right? It, it's, it's not just about translating, it's about interpretation. Yeah. Uh, because it, the, the direct translation for something doesn't mean the same thing sometimes. And he has to use his judgment in that moment to try and get across what I'm trying to say. When I'm talking about tactics, when I'm trying to talk about, um, uh, you know, the, the, the nuances of, of, of fighting. And when you're talking about in metaphor and stuff, I've, I've, no, I've, I've realized not to talk about <laughs> it because uh, there are cultural metaphors that make sense. Right. And, and normally it's actually, you know, storytelling is a good way of, of, um, explaining what you're trying to say. But then when you're doing that through a translator, it's, um, yeah it's really it's really challenging uh and but having said that and because i worked in japan as i mentioned uh, yeah. before um, and that that's really what got me onto kind of the constraints led approach of um of, of coaching because i looked into you know how, how how can i um sort of reduce the need for me to ex- be explaining it and if the outcome of a of a drill is, look, is the is that what i'm trying to um teach then then that's it's actually a better way of learning anyway yeah. and so when when you manipulate the drills t- around the constraints um, of the task then uh you know you can you can get that without actually having to coach too much and it also it also made me realize that i probably overcoached uh, earlier in my career i wanted to like coming from a place of wanting to share the information uh, but in, in reality you need to give them the space to to work things out for themselves you know information is better uh, re- re- retained when it's it's navigated on their own rather than being, being spoon fed. Um, so it, yes, there are definitely some um, challenges and limitations, but there are also I feel like all of us uh, um, foreigners that are working over there, it's made us better coaches by having to uh, yeah n- navigate that um, that challenge. Um, and I think that one one of the one of the things as well is like you know like uh, in terms of when they're building up to a fight and you're you're getting that contact with the athlete of understanding where their confidence is at or where what things you might need to say to them and you know you speak to them before training see where see where they're at and it's like it, it, looking at their response to the training load and stuff but that comes from like body language before the training and stuff but it's also those small conversations that you have with them yeah. before and after training and so missing that is 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 tough because uh that's an important part of, 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 coaching. And when you're doing that through a translator, it's, it's just, it's just not the
0: same. Yeah. No, <laughs> um, I went through the same thing when I was working in Romania. It's like, oh, most of them spoke English as well, but you know, the ones that don't and have to build that relationship is near impossible because you just can't speak the same language. So regardless of having yeah. a translator there, it's, you know, it's just one of the things that yeah. can't be done. No, I <sighs> just,
1: to put my charger right? <laughs> yeah it, it it's um but we, it's getting it's it, it's uh like i said I'm, I'm learning i'm trying i'm doing my best to try and learn and also their english is starting to get better mm. because they're hearing us speak english more, uh and now and they and they, you know they enjoy it when they say stuff and we respond positively to it it's like a bit of banter when they can say um some you know english stuff and, and some of the um guys who have um graduated uh, to the ufc have spent time in america and did fight camps there and stuff and and then they've had to learn more english yeah. because they're you know they've you know no one no one's speaking chinese them <laughs> having the uh, a chance um so yeah it, it's 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 an ongoing thing and and um it's not just yeah not just a language thing it's a cultural thing as well having mm. a, what motivates them what yeah. what, what um yeah drives them
0: so um yeah yeah no no, for sure another another yeah no definitely i think i've gone through everything i want to ask you dean but if anyone wants to find you and follow what you're up to where can they do that um it's well it's just my name on on all um social media twitter
1: um instagram and i don't i don't really use facebook twitter instagram is just dean dean (laughs) up B A N A M A S I N G E R. yeah,
0: that's it. Perfect. I'll link those all up in the description for anyone listening and watching. But thanks for coming on and thanks for sharing as well the uh, the schedules you have there from, from the UFCPI in Shanghai. No,
1: you're very welcome. Thanks for having on me on. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, cheers.